Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and tonight I am joined by three members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hey there. <laughs> I have Scott. Hey, some Ash starts to yawning at the second we start. <laughs> and I have Todd, who's in the fridge oh, right now. shit. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> steak's coming out. <laughs> And welcome to the wonders of Zoom, everyone. So uh, tonight we are going to be going over our most recent uh, large structure fire. Um, it was uh, it was a good one. It was, it was a really really good fire. Um, we always say that uh, you know when when um, when we haven't had one in a while, kind of everyone's a bit antsy, and it's it's nice to get one. Although obviously it's not nice for the people that actually have the fire. It's definitely nice for the fire department. It definitely helps with morale and brings everyone together. Show off your skills, and especially for the new recruits in this instance, because a lot of them this was their very first big fire. So uh, I'm going to throw it over to Ash because I think Ash, you were uh, IC on this because both Bob and Speedy were away for the day. So Ash, do you want to do you want to start us off rolling in there? Yeah, for sure. So it was mid-afternoon on whatever day it was there, and uh, Paige comes in, um, structure fire. It was called in by a passerby. Um, they started to notice some flames, and uh, a quick side story before I even go any further. I saw from a buddy's uh, front porch camera, he's got from where it started to where it was like fully rolling. He says, oh, really? yeah, like... Yeah, it was it was really cool to see. So, uh, uh, it was actually the guy from the first Nacho Libre Award. He was the guy. <laughs> you see, he's um, your buddy. Yeah, yeah, he comes to the shop always. Yeah, yeah, yeah really good guy. <laughs> Todd anyway. likes that guy. No, it doesn't know how to fight, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Very, very true. Uh, it's all in good fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, call call comes in, and we start rolling out there. Uh, I had to respond from the other side of town. Uh, first engine was rolling, um, and it was actually Warren hopped in the jump seat. Uh, we've had him on before. Uh, I I you know quickly relayed up and said, "Hey, you guys are going to be getting on scene first. Um, you're in your personal vehicle too, right? I was, yeah, for sure. So that that all takes a little bit of extra time um so those guys got on scene he quick, quickly relayed back that uh um it was uh already starting to roll it was um i don't know if it was self-engine out of the roof yet but it was definitely rolling um so the first engine arrived on scene we had the second engine responding quickly we had our water tender was responding quickly so that was kind of the initial response was going to be two engines and a water tender because it was uh, a, f- a fair amount away out of town. So uh, we, we were going to be doing hydrant ops, but nowhere that we could lay directly to the uh, hydrant. It was um, 
a fair distance away would be a heck of a long lay and i don't think we have enough line on the trucks to kind of hit one of those so that was kind of the initial um we got uh uh, Warren quickly did his 360 when he got there. Uh, by the time he got back around, that crew was starting to fight. Uh, he briefed me on what he saw. I kind of did another one once I got on on scene there and uh, realized that, hey, I think we're going to be in for a bit of a long fight. Um, so I got dispatched to get uh, Todd's department uh, on for a mutual aid standby to start with and kind of got a bit more of a lay of the fire. Uh, and then, you know, quick, it quickly turned to this thing's going to be a real fight. Let's get another tender uh, from Todd's department uh, and then also kept a truck staffed at their hall uh, for mutual aid deployment because uh, we've already robbed three of their guys. Uh, so now, you know, that's probably three of the, the quicker uh, responders coming out of their 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 hall to start with so if they get something or if we get something because basically from that time i think um scott you guys were rolling out on our rescue truck um and we made a call for our uh our hiab which is our elevated water source which we kind of alluded to on one of the previous podcasts um and that thing turned out to be a wicked resource there yeah you turned in the second alarm too pretty quick mm -hmm. that's right yeah, because it was uh, um, just kind of the, the nature of how far away from the hall it was. It was pretty close to the edge of our, our uh, coverage area. So it was pretty far away. Um, you know, generally at that time of the day, manpower can be kind of hit and miss. Uh, so rolling the second alarm and getting uh, that extra apparatus rolling from our hall and then also from Todd's um, seemed, seemed to be the right call at the time. And as it played out, I, I, I think it was. You know what? Uh, I was thinking more about the mutual aid. Uh, I was listening to mm -hmm. some. Uh, actually, Todd, you were telling me about that. Um, um, I was going to say Jack Ryan, Sean Ryan podcast. Yes. And they had the firefighter uh, <clears throat> that was part of the sofa fire. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but he was saying how after that fire, they changed their operations to uh, basically be because uh, they were doing, they were trying to do a lot of operations with a lot less manpower. Yep. And they and they, it was almost like a pride thing for them, like ah, we don't need those guys, and they'd always get in trouble for, but from the chief and stuff for calling more manpower. But uh, you know what? Mutual aid's cheap, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get the. I don't get the. I don't get the bill. <laughs> but uh, you know, honestly, really mutual care. aid. Yeah, yeah, that mutual aid. I I would like to see it more. Um, pretty much, Absolutely. I'd like to see it in any structure fire that's that's like that we can confirm that it's that's big. Um, yeah. you know, cause even if we had both tenders, cause that was one reason why we called it a yeah, second tender right. or from, from Todd's department, because normally we have two, but our, our one is uh, getting rebuilt right now. Um, I think even if we had the two tenders, I think it would, it's not a bad idea to call on that third because we would never run out of mm -hmm. water if we had that much. Cause that'd be, that's right. What that's, that'd be 5,000 gallons of water. Um, shuttle. I think we would have had a perfect yeah. shuttle going if we had, uh, the three, mm -hmm. uh, as it stood, we were for a little while there. We were short, but we, uh, you know, after obviously after we did some knockdown, then we were good. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm definitely leaning way towards the mutual aid side. But yeah, again, I think it's important too. Like we talk a lot about, um, you know, just just the worst case scenario event for a writ or a rescue, uh, or if yeah. another call comes in, you know, which we've had in the capacity of um, of grass fires. Uh, during our seasons, but no kind of back-to-back -back structure fires. Um, 
And it's, it's important, I think, even just having that truck coming up for our community standby, because you know, we all want, of course, free up resources as quickly as we can to go send our truck back into that call in our own community. However, we know by doing that, that's going to be depleting our scene at the time, and it's going to be very difficult. Who knows what equipment is stripped from that vehicle, bottles, etc. So having that early call for just for somebody for community standby now doubles. Well, that's also standing by for us. So if something happens, we got a really quick uh, backup response. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I don't think it's ever going to be the wrong call, call on mutual aid. It's, uh, it was, no, I, I, go ahead, Ash. Go ahead. I think that was, uh, I mean, we definitely talk in this group a lot about it. We talk in our officers group about it. And, um, I mean, I think we kind of alluded to it in a podcast or so ago um, that there is a lot of that gun shy where people are like, ah, you know, you're, you, you've got that pride. You, you want to be the guy that can, um, you know, this is our town. This is our, our area, our hall. We've got this shit. Well, you know what? It, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, again, it's the time frame. It's the distance away. It's just the fact that if it's going to be something big, I mean, nobody call, call screens when it's, uh, you know, involved structure fire. <laughs> Everybody's rolling. So that's great. But when you got a complement of 35 people and 28 of them are on scene <laughs> in one capacity or another, well, if shit goes wrong anywhere, either on scene or somewhere else, you need the extra manpower. Um, so, I mean, getting that mutual aid rolling early, um, even if it's just for uh, water tender support, if it's just for standby, whatever it is, uh, I think we are doing a lot better as a group to, to get that rolling. I think uh, we've we've had a couple calls coming uh, from south, from Todd's Hall, uh, where we've kind of done the same thing. We've got a career that went down that did standby. We had a, we've done some uh, mutual aid that uh, uh, got on scene. Um, you know, turned out to be not as much, but uh, I mean, getting that call early, uh, it's a lot easier to turn a truck around than it is to get them out there after you need it. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it's, it's also good just having the guys, um, like having Todd's department show up and even just chatting with them and, you know, them watching our guys work. And it's kind of like an extra training session for everybody because then we can see how they work. We can see how we, they can see how we work. Um, obviously the department you're going to, you're going to, you're going to see more than the department that's coming, but um, it's almost like another, yeah, it's almost like another training opportunity for uh, the two departments because mm -hmm. we don't train together all that often. We haven't trained in a while together, but hopefully we're going to, once this COVID crap's over, we'll train more together, but you know, it's, it, sure. it was good. Yeah. yeah I it's think, important. Uh, to, oh, so go ahead, Carl. You're good, Tuck. Go ahead. I was say it's, you made a really good point, Scott. Like it's important to, uh, get familiar with the other departments, uh, you know, terminology, how they kind of flow, uh, because every department's different. Um, even though we try and keep, you know, common terms in a integrated um, scene management style, but it's still different. And for, you know, being two departments the way we are, having, you don't know who's going to show up in that truck. So it's very good to have that, you know, commonality and get in there and learn how each other roll with. You know, and without the COVID layer on top of us right now, um, you know, it'd be a lot easier to do more mutual aid training style events. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the. Uh, Carl should. Oh, sorry. This this delay is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. Go on. No, I was actually just gonna say I think Carl should uh, 
say his side of the fire since he actually got, got he didn't, wasn't asleep this time. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were what on? You were on first truck, second truck? Second truck, yeah. Second truck. Second truck. So um, when we first rolled up, we obviously we could, uh, we knew it was going to be a bit of a ways out because we already got the report of where it was. So we knew we had a bit of time to get our stuff together and make sure we were calm. So we, we started to make a bit of a plan in the back. Not really knowing what was there, and not knowing where the other guys had kind of taken their, taken their positions. So we we didn't have that information until we got there. But um, when we first rolled up, everyone was very calm, which was good. Uh, we did have one of the rookies in the back with myself and Kevin, um, which was Rob too, and he did a phenomenal job. He was he was very very calm at the beginning there. You could see his, he was a bit elevated, but uh, you know calmer than most for a first fire. I I think anyway from what I could see from him. Uh, we hopped out. We stretched both lines, pre-connects off both the sides, and uh, yeah, we <laughs> we couldn't see a thing. Uh, it was just black billowing smoke that basically filled. Uh, filled the entire space. So we, we tried to move up to the front, myself and Kevin. I took kind of a more of a left flank approach. Kev took front and center because the other attack team had already been moving around on the right flank. So, um, yeah, we were hitting there for a while. Rob got the pike pole into the ceiling of kind of the, the awning uh, deck piece that was there, pulled a couple of tiles down, and it the flames just poured out. Then that was when we knew kind of the real extent of what was going on inside. For it to have gotten that far and rolling that hard, there was there was nothing that we could have done to fully do anything else apart from just you know put it out. There was no real um, other choices. <laughs> it was it was blazing fast. Then I started noticing that uh, the end of the building actually in the eaves there was starting to go. So. I moved my way around to the, the left flank further, started hitting that a little bit. I checked the door for heat because there was one door on that left side, but it was way too hot at the time to start trying to move inside. So we left that for a minute. And then we also again noticed after we had diced that side a, a touch that there was uh, there was flames starting to kick off of like almost like a kitchen deck. There was a set of stairs leading up to the back kind of patio area. Um, and uh, so we started to hit that for a minute, got that cooled off, moved up to actually stand on the deck, and the plan was to start moving inside. But again, we go back to the fact of uh, the, the joys of having a volunteer department and the wonders of the different skill sets. I had a gentleman with us um, at that time. His name is Dane, and uh, Dano is a carpenter along with Warren. And um, both of them are a massive assets on, on scene when it comes to this kind of stuff. Because again, we were in that situation. I'm looking at the roof going, yeah, I'm going to go, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the push. We're going to take this door and we're going to go internal and we're going to get this problem sorted from this side and we'll start working our way through. Well, Dane looked up and noticed that some of the roof was not exactly kosher, let's say. And so uh, after a conversation between myself, Dane and Kev, we decided not to push that door any further until we hit it from a different side. So that was when actually we moved back round to that first door. The fire had kind of cooled a little at that point. And uh, I took it clean with the Halley in two, two swings, one at the top, one in the middle, 
and she just came clean open. And then me and Dane went internal for a bit, hit what we could, diced over the other side, and yeah, it was kind of that was kind of my my win. After that, it was kind of fan stuff and handing the hose over to the rookies so that they could get a little bit of hose time as well. Ash, I think just to paint a picture of what this structure was, um, so we are a uh, agricultural community. Uh, our whole valley is driven on uh, tourism, agriculture. So this is a fruit stand, but it's not like an old yeah, not like, fruit not like stand. a Charlie Brown fruit stand. Yeah, there was <laughs> like, a... like it's like six bays. Um, like there was a like a wakeboard boat inside, yeah, storage for, inside like, for like, like winter storage. Um, it's like a full processing plant <laughs> in the back of it, and on the further back of it was a uh, small living quarters. So there was a. Uh, walkout basement, a living quarters, and then like we quote fruit stand, but it's like a supermarket for fruit on the side of the highway. So I think yeah, yeah the, the front the front was four four or five like roll up bay bay doors, um, two on each side, and then a bunch of man doors, and then again the living quarters in the back. So there's probably other like a, a kitchen bedroom. Uh, small living it was two area. Bedrooms. Yeah. A couple of bedrooms. It wasn't actually, yeah. was actually that small. Yeah, it was actually, yeah, it was actually pretty, pretty big. Pretty, I mean, the, big the entire quarters. building was massive. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a very large, large uh, structure. You know, that's one thing uh, about that place. Uh, it didn't like you know. A lot of times you look at a house and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, a building like that didn't make sense. You're like, okay, where, what is this? Why is there a kitchen here? What, what like why is there a bathroom here this is makes oh this is a customer's bathroom so this kitchen mm-hmm. is for something else okay because i i think they I mean, they must have cooked food also there um, i think so, so yeah i don't think it was part of the resident and then there's like oh there's another little kitchen over here like it's like just weird random yep. like, stuff um so the buildings yeah. did like you couldn't picture like okay this is where the bedroom is this is logically now where the bathroom is gonna be no it was, wasn't mm-hmm. like that at all yeah yeah, it was definitely a very strange layout. The other side of this as well was there was a there was a very, very large fuel load inside of this thing because they had taken, obviously, in the summer when these stands are open, they have these wheeling, uh, like, wood stands, which they wheel out and they put all the fruit and the veg on for sale. Those things are all crammed inside of here. So there's no floor space to actually walk around because it's just all fully covered in, in fuel. There was just these wooden stands and a lot of them were just toast. There was so much in there. Um, yeah, it was uh, the roof actually had gone through, but we did actually get an opportunity because the roof had completely burned through uh, to get the guys on the the high ab. Someone want to touch on that? Yeah, it's funny because uh, was last week's episode we were just talking about how we have this high ab, but we've never used it on a structure fire. So yeah, like Ash was saying, part way. Like, I'll be uh, damned. I called for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty so I, I that over the radio. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think I was on the. I guess I was on the fourth truck that I arrived because I was coming from work. Um, so as we're driving there, um, Carl was saying his truck was nice and calm and relaxed. My truck was like a frat party going on. <laughs> Just, we're all like, woo! We're all cheering and stuff because we could see now. We could see the the brown of like it's in the structure mm. and i'm like and we're like here we go and they're like yeah and so we're, we're i'm trying to give assignments and we're all like cheer like it was, it was actually kind of funny because <laughs> we knew there was nobody inside and we knew you guys were making a good push so um 
but um so as where i'm like okay uh this is what we're gonna do when we arrive but i just basically said you you find somebody that's solo and, and team up with them and then we'll leave some in re- uh, reserve and we'll find out where they want to go from there and then i heard uh ask say oh i want the uh high ab i'm like or one of you can get in that thing <laughs> because <laughs> it arrives so um they were pretty excited about that yeah and then the, when the high ab arrived um so that it doesn't have a pump on it obviously so it's basically like a cheap version of that england new england style fire truck <laughs> <laughs> a um, flatbed full of shouter <laughs> yeah so it took us a bit because uh, we had a lot of apparatus parked um we were right on the highway so uh there was traffic control issues and all this kind of stuff we basically shut the highway down um so by the time we got the high up in yeah it was kind of late in the fight which is kind of always how we've seen the high up we've seen that we haven't seen the high up uh-huh. as an initial response i mean yeah, so it's not really an initial response vehicle. But, um, yeah, we got it parked uh, pretty close to the building and uh, managed to get it up, put the put the line on, and um, put, actually, uh, Rob, too, the new guy in. And he was like, he actually messaged me later. That was awesome. Thanks. Because <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, Rob, go in there. He's like, oh, okay. So, yeah, we put him up. I had uh, Jay running the, run the bucket and, yeah, uh, and I noticed that actually it was a very quick, because typically on a structure fire like that, especially when it's in the roof so much, um, mm-hmm. that it takes us a long time to do mop up because we have to like get a ladder, put it up, find the hot spot, put it out, get, the, get move the ladder, put it up, find the hot spot because you know it's in the in all these like roof, but because the roof is burnt through, and the high up could just kind of drop in on it, and we could do all that work without having to get the ladder. So I, it was really fast for the mop up. Mm-hmm. for the final knockdown yeah i'd say we really were almost it. fighting the back portion of the building while we were mopping up the front section right like yeah, and that's yeah, something yeah. that when it came much much later once the high went up I, I basically pulled out all of our resources most of our resources from inside of the structure on the front section of the building we concentrated then the fight on the back because uh, the high was going to get the majority of what those guys were trying to get from the ground level but yep. it's, it's you know up in the air easily mobile save um, some water um because it's, it's only yeah, exactly. an inch and a half and, you know mm-hmm. it's a good you know uh, resource for water, like not water management because we were having obviously we had to run tenders um yep. yeah it was pretty pretty cool to see um mm-hmm. definitely a good argument for having a uh, a truck event like a quint or something eventually quint or something eventually yep yeah um yeah and and actually, Todd got, even got to come because uh, he came in his uh, capacity of his other work to check on uh, to make sure none of us were injured. Yeah, it was fun to see. It's it's it actually really fun just to sit back and not have to worry <laughs> about what you guys <laughs> right. are doing, and just observe. And you know, I snapped a whole pile of photos and video for you guys and set, shared it with with you guys. And it was uh, yeah, it was it was really good to see. And it was it was neat to see. You know, when you start talking about water management, the turnaround times of the tenders, and then, you know, once you started shutting another line down and, and getting that other inch and a half up on the, on the high app, and with that man in that bucket, like you were just talking about, with that elevated stream, it just took all that, that work out that you're just talking yep. about. You could see it die down a lot faster. So it was really fun. It was good to see. Yeah. It, uh, the, the one thing that I noticed, and uh, you guys had obviously, you mentioned it later on, 
just in the 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 kind of group setting for the fire family for our, our, our close fire family was that everybody just went and did their job everybody the, there was some direction obviously but by the time we got there everyone just went out and hit it and did exactly what they were trained to do even the new guys um, mm. they were ready and rolling and, and you know grateful to, to grab a line and and uh, you know very responsive. Uh, at least from from my side, working with Rob and a couple of others there, um, and then later on seeing a few more guys. Obviously, Glenn, uh, the, the keenest of the bunch, the keenest of the keen. He um, he was just dying to get back in there any way he could possibly um, to get back to uh, to fight in the fight. So it was it was really good to see that, um, and it's also you know it's a good reminder for for everyone that it's the importance of doing these things and getting that those reps in and then your your mind's already there when you're rolling up you know and for me it took me a second um to kind of get my head around it again because it was that okay well you know where are we going here you take that breath this was the first kind of few minutes of the 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 truck ride um and then okay well yeah it's going we can see the smoke kicking so it's it's game time so it was really cool to see the guys just react and do what they were supposed to do right off the bat. Yeah, the um, I think we always talk about the Oprah fire. That that was like the Oprah fire of door breaching. Mm-hmm. Like uh, there was, I think four or five doors got breached. <laughs> um, I got to see two, I think. Go. Um, but everybody and all the techniques, like uh, Stuckel Warren, he said, yeah, he. Uh, you know, he did the, he shocked it and it, it popped the door. And then Carl said the same thing, uh, you know, just the shock alone, like, you know, when you're hitting it a couple of times just to test where the locks are, a lot of times that just pops the door. So, you know, we train on like the hardest door, but then it just took literally two doors were breached just from shocking alone. Uh, the one I actually watched, it was an outswing door. So uh, uh, the guys went in and, it was, it was, you know, because typically I'm kind of up there with them and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to hang back and uh, just watch them. And they were like freaking like, they shocked it. They tested, they tried, they, t- they shocked and uh, uh, set it in, set the tool in and, and pop the door. It was freaking awesome. Like no delay at all. Just right in. Thanks. It went real quick. It, it, like, uh-huh. like you said, like I had one, one swing and hit the top of that door and it almost gone from from that it was only the second one that just kind of fully released that final the 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 lock after i hit the door handle and then she went there was a chunk of roof behind it so we couldn't get it fully open i had to kind of sneak through and then grab the the wood and move it out of the way so we could get in but yeah, yeah. that initial piece was 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 good it was quick and I think it's good to add to like when you're talking <clears throat> just in case anybody questions about shocking the door, you know, like you're not worried about door control in this environment because the roof is already gone. It's self vented. Like we're mm-hmm. not worried about just having that door swinging in because I know there'll be somebody out there that might mention, well, where's the door control by, <laughs> by doing that? However, how, but uh, yeah, that's, to make it very clear, there was no more roof in this uh, building. Absolutely, which is actually why we actually decided on that one door to just remove the door entirely, just so we could get a better angle on the left flank to be able to hit where we were trying to move to with that that door that was just 
underneath that um, that poor roofing that was going. So we were trying to douse that from from kind of further forward and, and get it through a window there. So by removing that door, we had a much clearer line of sight to where we needed to hit, which helped considerably. But yes, we would not have done that if the roof had not burned through and we needed to actually control some flow path, which actually later, um, Scott, you actually called for the fan for downstairs for the basement access. Yeah, um, I know because Kevin, uh, he came up to me and he's pointed out, he's like, hey, I'm getting black smoke coming out of that one window on the basement. In that basement, we hadn't really um, entered much. I think someone may have looked into it earlier and then popped back out just to see if there's any fire Yeah, yeah Warren did. Um, yeah. Warren took initially. a quick, quick peek and it was yeah. it was so darked out. Uh, he actually initially believed that it was a crawl space. Right. Um, couldn't couldn't yeah. really see anything and then was just looking at... Uh, what he believed was the the layout of it um and then yeah later on once yeah. we managed to get it clear it was uh no it was a full a full walkout basement yeah so it was pushing a little bit of black smoke so uh we went and had a discussion we brought the fan out um set the fan up and initially i just wanted the fan I, we just cranked the fan up to see uh we told the guys on the other like it was because because it was kind of uh that extra living quarters it was basically the fan wasn't going to push into the main like fruit stand area. It was just going to push into the rest of the living quarters. Um, and there was no stairwell going up. So it was like, it's kind of like a bottom basement, but there was no stairs going up to the other part of the living quarters. So it was almost like it was a separate area. Um, but I wanted to push with the fan to see if we could figure out where the smoke was coming from to see if it was going to push somewhere else. So we cranked the fan up, couldn't see it coming out anywhere else. So then I took the back window. I just, I actually used my snagger tool. Uh, yeah, took the back window out with a snagger, and then uh, uh, we vented it, clean, cleared up. Then we, yeah, we realized it was a full basement in there. Um, no real fire extension. There was definitely some heat down there, and yeah, ran the ran the fan for quite a while just to make sure it kind of remained clear to see if anything else, uh, if it was going to go in there at all. One, one thing I, I was trying to tell Carl, because you know we're, we have our masks on, I'm like, Carl, get the, I'm pointing this, I'm pointing at a piece of, uh, what was it, a piece of plywood? Yeah. <laughs> so we we pointed out. There was a bunch of, like, gravel, a bag. You know, there's a bunch of gravel down there, and I, I could see the fan starting to, you know, fans vibrating into the gravel, and I'm like, okay, any minute now, the fan's going to start talking rocks at us and break our blades. So I'm like, Carl, get that thing. And he's like, and I'm pointing at it, and he, what you, were you going to grab, like a bag of kitty? Like a bag of concrete or something there. I'm like, this? Right, right, yeah. We want this? for like, I, I think you might have thought i wanted it like as a uh, to like wait to hold the fan down that's why i thought you that's why i thought you were trying to think yeah. so i was like oh well then obviously he just wants to put it on the back to hold it in place but yeah and then i'm like no i want the i want that piece of plywood because we put the plywood down as a base so then the yeah. fan wouldn't kick rocks at us anymore <laughs> well the fan's blazing it's at this point yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, the fire's still kicking like we're in our SCBA. You can't hear a damn thing, <laughs> let alone make out what anyone else is saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fun. We got it <laughs> in the end. <laughs> and important to say one note on this fire, there was no chief or deputy chief. That's right. right. There was, was the second, uh, second big one of the year where they went around. <laughs> yeah. They always seem to miss something. Every time they go out of town. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, on that note, there let's let's quickly touch um, let's quickly touch on uh, base with Ash there on 
how uh, how it went for you there, Ash. Obviously, you've controlled and did IC on a few scenes, but um, mm-hmm. this one was a busy one, and uh, you know there was there was the mutual aid side as well, and the control at that point. Obviously, with Todd arriving, that was helpful too. But uh, yeah, do you want to do you want to touch a little bit on your experiences IC? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, like like you said, there I've been IC at a few. Um, at a few structure fires now actually and uh at a lot of events which is is good but uh, i think this is definitely the largest from start to finish because a lot of times we'll like the duty officer uh will be on on scene first and uh chief or deputy might might be delayed or like deputy chief might show up on a truck um and at that point, I would love nothing more than to tag out and go get my hands dirty because that's always what's fun. Uh, but uh, so from start to finish with no, um, not relief, but like you know that they aren't coming. So that was in the back of my mind the entire time. Um, the last thing I wanted to do was leave any of our guys in a bad position. So, I mean, it was going to be resource heavy, manpower heavy. Um, it's easy, like I said, it's easy to send guys back than it is to ask, ask for them later. So, um, a really big learning point for sure. That's, uh, I mean, for me, I, I will never be gun shy to make that call, um, getting those, uh, resources rolling. Um, <laughs> the one thing that made me laugh was I was all pumped on making the call to get the high up out there and then it gets there. And I'm like, uh, shit, who can actually run this? Cause it's a, it's a crane. You have to have a, a ticket. <laughs> you can't just throw anybody on the controls and get this thing in the air. So then the panic is like, I'm realizing that we are, that we have like 95% of the department is going to be passing through this, this scene. So the chances of having somebody that can run it are going to be pretty high. But in the moment, we're looking around like, shit, who's here? Who can do this? I think Scott's like, I think we have Jay here. Boom. Perfect. Jay, we pulled pulled him off of what he was doing and got him to run it. So that was good. But, you know, all of the good thought process going, you get this piece of equipment out there. <laughs> well, is there anybody on scene that can actually run the thing? So that was uh, that was a bit of an oh shit moment. I mean, definitely run it I'm, safely in a fire situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like, I mean, we've got guys that'll like move some things around at the training grounds. Um, with there's, there's no issue there. It's, it's got a winch on it. We've pulled, pulled cars with it. Um, but to actually put somebody in the bucket, holding onto a hose line above a burning structure. Uh, yeah, I want somebody that's fully, you know, capable and certified to do so. Um, so that was pretty, pretty in, interesting to say the least um you know again i made a post i I think scott did as well just to our local members page there um our training is really showing uh i don't want to say like as an ic you're you're definitely not useless like there's a lot of important things that are happening but uh like i didn't i wasn't involved in putting that fire out at all um you know scott on scene Rob was on scene. Our other officer, Andrew, was there. Uh, all of all of those crews were looking after everything. Um, you know, we as officers in the IC role are only there to make sure that they have everything that they need. So um, 
like you guys would pop pop back out scott would come and tell me he says hey this is what we're gonna do here great andrew would pop back out and give me his update rob was kind of milling about and doing the same thing he arrived on the water tender so he was kind of tied to the truck a bit but he was still running around and it was another set of eyes for me um so again like like i only saw the back of the structure twice on my first initial 360 and then like once we were well into mop up um i was just kind of doing my my small little horseshoe walk around the front i was running around a lot a little more than i wish i was but i was still really trying to keep myself to the front of the building so if anybody needed me if there's anything that needed to be done i was still fairly easy, easily found um, it was always easy to find yeah. you i was never had a problem trying to find you mm-hmm. so it was a, a massive learning experience for sure um you know from my side i feel like everything went well um it's tough to to be in those in those shoes and you know be like yeah i think everything went great i'm sure there's a million things that you know we we could definitely learn from but uh it was yeah it was a a, a hell of an experience yeah it's great like scott said every time that i needed you or i needed an extra pair of hands you were right there it was very visible very easy to find um, and that's that's the key for the IC, right? You know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. uh, the way that our manpower split, just because the way the fire was working, um, our truck captain was off in a different section doing something else. So um, we were on a different side of the building dealing with what we needed to deal with. Um, so being able to come back and just say, hey, Ash, I need X, Y, Z. Uh, this time, I think actually the Halley, actually at one point, I think I even passed the tick off to you as well at one point because yep. at first I went back to the, when we first got out, I realized that smoke was so thick, we couldn't see what was going on. And my worry was maybe that, um, you know, there was something that was going to fall. So I grabbed the tick immediately and started using that with Kev. I put down my hose line and, and actually tick gun sighted with Kev to make sure that we could hit what we needed to hit to make sure that nothing was going to fall to make sure we could see what was going on there. So we did that initially. And then once the smoke cleared, that was when then I handed it off to you, Ash, and, and I kind of yep. started doing a different push on a different angle. <clears throat> but um, yeah, every time I needed you, you were, you were right there. So work for me. You know, I wish uh, I'm super happy that Todd grabbed some uh, photos there. Um, I really wish I could have grabbed some photos like while everybody was working because I was watching so many of these things happen and I'm like, ah, I wish I could grab a photo of that. Like I didn't want to be on my phone grabbing photos. It just didn't seem like the right thing to be doing at the time, but I'm seeing all of this shit happen. And I'm like, man, that's great. Like exactly. Like you and Kev were working there like a hot, hot damn. It was perfect. Guys were in there breaching doors. Um, I mean, doing it step by step, everything that you want to see, uh, guys were breaking, you know, there was some glass on the backside, uh, breaking windows and they're doing the break rake doing, uh, trans transitional attack on it. Um, everything that we have been talking about, I'm like, Oh, there's that, there's that, there's that. Um, everything was just kind of rolling into place. And, you know, it's nice when it's a structure like this, that, um, you know, luckily this wasn't some, somebody's residence. Yes, it's their livelihood. It's the off season for them. So, I mean, barring anything going completely sideways, I don't see why there's not, not going to be another building there come springtime when these guys need to have it running again. Um, yes. There was nobody there. Um, the homeowner wasn't around. He actually peeled in um, just as we were getting the scene set and we had to kick him back, back over the freaking truck out of here. Um, so he peeled out of there with his pickup, came back in 
And uh, I quick, quickly asked, like, hey, like, what else is in there? Like, what's the deal? Um, like, for sure, no one around. He's like, no, 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 not, none of that. He's like, there's the boat, there's this, there's there's all this fuel load. And we're like, yeah, we get that for sure. But nothing out of the ordinary. There's no random chemicals that are being stored in the back or whatever. He's like, no, everything's not not stored there. We're like, hey, perfect. So, um, I mean, in that regard, knowing that... Uh, um, I mean, we always want to save as much of the structure as possible, right? Um, I hate those comments like, ah, we should have just let it burn down and be easier to to clean up. Like, if you drove by that building today and did a quick I, I did look, actually. Yeah. It, right? And what does it look yeah. like? It looks like, you know, if building. you didn't know it, it looks like normal, right? Yeah. It's got four walls. It still has a roof structure. Like, it looks like a building still. Sure, the inside's <laughs> burned and a large portion of the front roof roof section collapsed in on itself. But I mean, the guys made a huge push. Um, it was a lot of work went in really, really quick. And there's a lot of that structure left. There absolutely was. And I think even for the, the timeline of which that we got there from the time of the call, cause that this, this is actually right on the outskirts of, of uh, our jurisdiction, our area. So really where we're looking it was probably a five to seven minute drive to get to mm. this one point to be able to start the fire attack so by the time we had the call already come in there was flames showing and so you know at that point it was for seven minutes after the the call even comes in was when we need to get there right so yeah that's a plus the arrival time so we we we're, we are very quick very very fast um with our response times but uh, to be able to get there, do what we did in the time limit that we did and have as much of the structure left standing as is standing now, I think, uh, I think it was a phenomenal job by the team. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more. There oh. you go. There you go. <laughs> but I really liked when, when we went and we reached that uh, upper back door. Um, I came in because originally we weren't, we weren't actually going very far and then uh, we tested the floor. We're like, yeah, we can go in. Um, it was really cool because we, we did exactly like uh, the guys went in with a nozzle, backup guy was in, and then we had to kind of come around a corner of a bunch of, a bunch of debris. So then we got a, I didn't even call bump up, but there was a guy standing there. So I'm like, hey, bump up. And then he came in, had a guy on the door control. Um, it was exactly the training we do. And then as I'm walking out, I said, I'm, I'm going to be back. I'm just going to go talk to Ash. And uh, I said, because the door control guy, one thing they did switch positions. So as I walked by, I'm like, hey, these are the three guys inside. And he could see how far they in they were because it wasn't dark. Um, but I said, you know, I got three guys inside. Um, so and so and so and so and so. And he, he, he relayed it back to me. And that was a brand new guy. That was uh, Glenn, uh, mm-hmm. you know, new guy this year. So he was, you know, the training is paying off because he, he relayed everything back to me. And then I, 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 was, I was comfortable that I could leave because he knew who was in there. Um, how far in they were, and uh, and he was basically stationed right at the door with the tools, which we'll talk about. Yeah, well, let's <laughs> uh, let's actually, unless anyone else has got anything to say now on just some final wrap ups on the structure fire, we will roll over to the tools. If anyone's got anything mm-hmm. to say, um, good. I think the only other comment I'd throw in there, just to kind of uh, touch base with what Ash said, is is. Good conversation, like he had with uh, the homeowner there, because you know the, we get these um, farm sheds attached to houses, pack or you know 
whatchamacallits, fruit stands, God, I couldn't think of the name. Mm. You know, and a lot of the time people will store their, uh, their chemicals in there because they don't want them to freeze as well. So a lot of the spray chemicals. And you just don't know what we're going to get into these things. So reading that smoke and stuff is huge too um, because you, there's a very high probability in our area that if we respond to one of these types of buildings, there could be uh, chemicals involved. Yeah, I'm certain. And the reason why I thought of that again was because I tripped over some chemicals that were in our shop now. <laughs> <laughs> one one thing that's uh, I was walking around and having a chat with Dennis afterwards. He was uh, pump operator on unit one. Um, there was a small outbuilding kind of next to the 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 main structure there. Yeah. And he he came up and asked us, "Hey, did anybody ask what was inside that?" And I was like, "Ah, shit! You know what? Good point. I didn't. You know, he was a ways away, and we had the building under control. Like where I wasn't worried about it was going to spread to any exposures. Like I felt pretty confident that there wasn't an issue with that building. But again, you know, probably something that we should ask. Hey, what the hell is in?" in inside of that it would make sense so that was probably some of their their uh, chemical storage i mean maybe it's just a small pump house but um probably should have known what was inside of it but again it was still a fair distance away from the main from the main building and it wasn't this was the other thing about this fire is it was wind driven like crazy um we we had a big um uh, southern to northern wind uh, and, and it was blowing heavy, heavy. So it was directionally driven away from that other structure. But uh, still, I mean, we don't know what's in there. It would have been really good to know. So it was a really good learning point. Yeah, yeah. That win was the kicker for mm -hmm. sure, which is why we can open that end door uh, at That's all right. initially on that first attack. It was just way too toasty. Uh, so let's, uh, as we touched on it there, Scott, let's actually talk about the tools a little bit. So we actually had, uh, on our last podcast, we discussed the fact of what we do with our tools and what we do, um, on scene, um, a lot of the time, uh, not all the time, but a lot of the time is once the door has been breached on a residential home, we tend to leave the tools at the door. Now, we uh, we find that having the tools with us can be a little bit cumbersome in some situations um, and moving with them, obviously, in the way that we've got our team set up with the attack guy, the secondary backup with the movement and then the, the captain. Sometimes the captain will take the tools um, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just leave them at the door. It's very rare that we find a locked door on the other side of a locked door on a residential structure. Um, so we tend to leave them at the door. That being said, if we do require them, then it's a it's a shout out to the team, down our bump up line, we call that we call that command, it gets passed down the chain, or we then call it straight over the radio and we've got the tools normally within about 30 seconds to a minute. So it's a very quick turnaround. Um, to be able to get them back. Now we did receive a comment from uh, from somebody saying that uh, 
they were very shocked by the fact that we didn't take tools inside. And on a quick poll of just some of our um, some of our fans and some of our people that we talked to, it seems like they tend to run the same similar tactics as we do by leaving them outside, unless of course they're needed. So we wanted to touch a little bit more on that. So Scott, do you want to uh, take it from there? Yeah, uh, I mean we were talking about this last week, um, kind of just what Carl just said, but you know really years ago we used to take the tool and tools inside all the time and it was so cumbersome because you had you're trying to hold your nozzle the nozzle operator had the tools for some reason and then for a while we handed it off to the backup guy and then he had the tools but it's just you're trying to do too many things uh you know at once because you're trying to do good tool manipulation do a good search with your tools like and like todd said last week you know even if he hit something with the tool First of all, how hard are you hitting it? <laughs> Secondly, um, once you do hit something, you're still gonna have to go up and touch it with your hand because you got to figure out what you just hit. Because you know, it's not like a training scenario where there's only a dummy in the room. You know, you're, I'm looking around my house right now, like I'm, you know, in my in my bedroom, and there's just you know stuff in here. That if you hit it, it might feel like a person, but it's probably just maybe some clothes that fell from the you know from the closet. So having the tools and trying to run the nozzle and or trying to be the backup person and so you're trying to pull the hose for the nozzle operator it's just so much going on um that we found it was just uh, too cumbersome and we just wanted to make it more simple for the because you run the nozzle you run the nozzle if you're backup guy your job is to pull the hose if you need tools then you call the door control guy to bring you those tools or like Carl just said, um, the, the officer will be carrying tools in with him. Um, like they're basically the tool guy uh, because they're gonna have the radio tools and they're not really, their only job is to observe the crew and make the call. So they can easily hold on to a tool in their hand, but they're not trying to pull a line and do all this other stuff. And we just found it was more, almost more dangerous to, to be pulling in tools all the time because like I said, you're now your tasks, your you know your your hands are full, and you're trying to bring the tool with you, plus bring the nozzle with you, plus you know do all this other stuff. So we just found leaving the tools at the front door, or sorry, wherever we wherever we entered, uh, has been the move. And it's not even residential; it could be it could be commercial, unless you're going on a long long push. Then you know bringing the tools in, but at the same time, if we're going on a long push, it's still not only two guys doing it. You know, we we try to train. Like even that push that we did, it was only a twenty foot push. I had uh, what, three, I had three guys plus the nozzle or plus a door control guy uh, making that push in that building. So it was like, uh, I know that one comment was because for uh, safety and for if you need to uh, uh, evac, you can use the uh, halogen bar. Um, but we're so like we have such a good um, communication base, just having those guys up and down the line. That uh, I find the tools to be more cumbersome than anything. That's just us. I don't know. And, and you know, Mar and I think Marshall uh, commented as well. So Australia, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, all of Australia doesn't use tools. <laughs> <laughs> not inside. Yeah, Marshall yeah. mentioned the same thing. He uh, he basically just said, yeah, we we leave ours at the door after we've done the initial breach. If we need them, we call for them. Um, and another listener, Chris, as well, had mentioned 
the similar similar task. He did say for him he likes to take the axe with him regardless, just because he said it's it's nice to have that for certain situations. But again, I think some of this also comes down to the fact of what kind of structures that you're dealing with too, right? Like where what are you going into? Um, is it a, is it a style of home where you may need that? I mean, yes, you probably can utilize tools in lots of different scenarios. Um, one of the one of the conversations was obviously for sounding the floor. Well, if you're doing a VIS, absolutely, that would be used to sound the floor. You're not going to use your feet to sound the floor by jumping in the window. But what we do when we perform um, we perform uh, sounding the floor is we use our foot. Now that may sound a little bit little bit Absolutely. off. But it's not for VEIS, but for moving the hose and moving through the structure. We sign the floor with our foot, but we use the shuffle method to be moving inside that structure. So the weight is all on the back of your body. It's not on that front foot. So you can use that front foot to tap and sound, make sure you're stable before you start moving forward. So for us, it's a different different way of doing things. But uh, yeah, no one's saying anyone's right. No one's saying anyone's wrong, but it is definitely the way we do things. Todd. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's like anything. There's there's different tools in the toolbox for the situations. You know, like there's methods have evolved on carrying tools as you're going in with the hand line now. Um, but again, it depends on the situation. Like if we're just going into our average uh, family style home that we were discussing, you know, odds are if it works for your department to leave the tools at the door or whatever your procedure is, great. Some guys absolutely want to just carry one tool with them. There's techniques for that too. Lots of guys will shove the ax or the, or the halligan uh, through their waist strap of their SCVA. It's totally adequate. And now your hands free and you can kind of keep grabbing the hose or doing the task you need. And you talk to anybody who's hardcore writ junkies. Absolutely. That's going to be their move. They're going to be throwing that halligan, you know, in their waistband. And then you've got that tool. Um, however, it may not be everybody's jam. So again, it comes down to how you train. It's good to think about different techniques and practice different techniques to see what you like and then adopt that SOG in your department. Um, There's many departments, career departments, volunteer departments uh, that I have friends with and everybody does it differently. So like you said, Carl, it's, it's not, you know, this is always the way. There's many different techniques. There's, a, there's arguments for both sides of it. Um, you know, you go start going into a warehouse style. Yeah, maybe you're going to be wanting more tools as you're doing a longer push. But again, it's all about flow paths. It's about exits and egress and, you know, secondary writ rescue locations. Like there's, there's so much more to this side of the argument for what tools you're taking. You know, and one thing we've talked about in the past is um, if, if a building collapses or, uh, you know, in a commercial building and something collapses on you, um, your halogen bar or your axe is not really going to do much. Um, you, you know, especially in a commercial building, uh, you know, going back to that, uh, that podcast we were talking about, Todd, that from, uh, I was going to call him Jack Ryan again. <laughs> from Sean Ryan. Um, yeah. Uh, Tra- I think it's Travis Howard. I think is the guy's name. Um, he was in the, uh, par- um, the super, uh, the super mattress fire or something. I forget what the name of the fire was killed. Like, uh, huge number of his crew um he was talking how the metal was all twisted and you know so even like bringing in small hand tools um we always talk you know if we're really wrapping our head around writ we don't have we, we have hand tools with us obviously 
but really we're going to probably need extrication gear. We're going we're to have the rescue truck there. We're yeah. going to have um, mm-hmm. spreaders, Chase cutters. Yeah. We're going to have chainsaws. Saws. We're going to have, yep. yeah, saw, like we're gonna have you know, all the, all the stuff that's going to go into cutting that building apart around the, around mm-hmm. the down firefighter. Um, you know, I, I understand, I get writ. You can use your Halligan to, uh, to do some egress stuff, uh, you know, the window, uh, window frame stuff and, and use it as a step and those sorts of things. Um, but also inside a building, we can also use furniture as steps and we can even tie off the furniture if you're going to make an egress. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, yeah, there's like Todd was saying, there's ways to do it, um, different angles, different ways. Um, I've tried to tuck, um, Halligan bar in my waist strap before the SCBA. And it's just, it's, you know, I've got stabbed with a friggin' pick and <laughs> like, it's like, it's horrendous. <laughs> the ax is fine. Like, you know, bring the ax in, but again, the ax is, uh, has its limitations too. Cause it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it only can do so much. So. And again, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, you know, trying all these different scenarios, being a, aware of, you know, how to use the tools and carry the tools, different styles, um, but again, it, it really depends. It comes down to on that scene assessment of what's going on and how far you're going in and your manpower and exit points. Like it, far is the day where, you know, we just run in with one hose line and you just give her and away you go. And then now the building's collapsing and you're trying to find a, a bailout area. There's so much more science and methodology to it now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always look back, you know, I obviously I read a lot of military stuff and but I watch a lot of those, you know, the military guys when they're breaching like the special forces guys, they're uh special operations guys, they're you know, they got a guy you got the breacher. So the breacher has the breaching tools. But uh, you know, the guy going in first, he's got the you know, he's got the long he's got the rifle. <laughs> you know, everybody's got their job. And I think when you start giving a you know, one guy has too many jobs. That's when they start getting overwhelmed. So if the one guy, you definitely he might have, start to lose efficiency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If your job is breaching, no, oh, handling the nozzle, um, using the tick, and trying to search, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would say that's probably too many tasks for one person. I mean, even sometimes when you're trying to run the nozzle and you're and maybe you're on the search team, that's also um, that overtasks somebody. And we talked about that last week with that orientated search. You know, leave the guy in the hallway. And then send somebody in to search, and that's all they do. That's their job is to search. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was, it was a good discussion, and uh, yeah. Yeah. I like to. I like when uh, people have different opinions. It's good. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. important. It's yeah. important. And well, it's good because again, are. like that's that's a lot of the time where we end up getting that next task to try. Right. Like we've we've had different opinions given to us. Um, in different conversations, and we've used that then. We've taken it to the training ground and tried those tactics, and some of them have worked, and some of them we've now incorporated into into what we do day-to-day or at least adapted a, a, either a tactic or a, a method of attack or potentially even a, a tool or a, a hose leg, for example. We've, we've changed some things off of other people's opinions because, again, this is always about the one thing that we always talk about, and that's sharing the knowledge just making sure that yes we talk but we also listen and there's reasons that we do things and it works for us so just because it works for us doesn't mean it doesn't have to work for you in a different way mm-hmm. and that's why it's so important like you said like you know that's why we want listeners to pose a question or, or pose a statement of what they do it's like in a classroom setting you know like 
when the instructor says, does anybody have any questions and nobody says anything? Well, I guarantee you there's probably about 10 questions. However, nobody's wanting to pipe up and say something. But by asking those questions and making a statement, well, I thought we did it this way. Well, now we're going to discuss it. We're going to learn from it because there's probably mm -hmm. people in that room that aren't going to ask anything that have no idea what's going on. So yep. you need to learn from that. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, to move along, did we want to touch on the MVA that you guys had recently gone to? Or did you want to move further along than that? Where did you want to be at? Did you want to check well, in on I don't know. The, the MVA, it ran super smooth. It, it was one of those scenarios. And, you know, one of the other officers was bugging me because we always talk about how when we do a practice, inevitably, the ne or sorry, when we do a scenario, inevitably the next week we get something close to the scenario in real life. And again, we did a MBI scenario on um, practice night. Um, I mean, our MBI scenario was, was pretty um, intense. It was, you know, mm. there's a MCI in, with, you know, how many patients did we end up having? Seven. seven. Seven or eight. Yeah, we had a seven patient MCI. We had a car outside. Um, one, they were in a ditch. Um, they're actually in our water ditch, but their water ditch is drained right now. So we had them down in the ditch. Um, we had one patient who was me was ejected and I was in the bushes in a tree. <laughs> um, it was actually pretty cool. Cause we brought, uh, we brought Todd in, in his role as a paramedic. So it was like, I was telling the guys later, it was almost like we had a live PowerPoint. It was almost like we had a live PowerPoint going on. Um, in that we were doing an MCI training night, but it was also some, uh, uh, scenario but Todd was kind of reminding the guys, oh yeah, okay, this person's in the red category. So for this person, we would be doing this and this and this. So this, get them onto the red tarp. They had the tarps laid out. It was pretty cool. Um, and then of course, that night, actually right after practice, we get, we get a motor vehicle accident. <laughs> um, thankfully the guy, the guy actually self-extricated. So, we, uh, but it was power lines down, all that sort of stuff. So we had to do scene safety. We, you know, we did traffic diversion, all that kind of stuff. And then literally the next day at like, I don't know, two days later, no, next day, two days later at uh, yes, you know, lunch hour, had another MPI. Um, this one was actually, you know, a little bit of entrapment. So we had to do a, a good door pop, um, do some stabilization, do some medical. This is an overall good, quick, super quick. Everybody was, you know, because we just trained it for the last three weeks and through a scenario, guys are super good with the tools um everyone knew their role everyone had their tasks laid out it was awesome it was like it was fast we were actually so fast we beat the paramedics um <laughs> we had the extrication done we had the guy ready for transport and then we had to wait a couple minutes for the paramedics to show up and that is unusual for uh for uh, to be done extrication before the uh, paramedics are even on scene yeah you so i don't know i guess we did touch on the mva <laughs> <laughs> uh carl i like to talk about um i know he's not on tonight but uh the guest we we just we couldn't hook up with him for whatever reason tonight we were actually gonna have a guest on tonight um i'm sure we'll have him on either next week or shortly but uh carl had this book um the fire firefighters then he um hirsch wilson sent it to us he's the author he sent it uh, so carl got it carl read it gave it to me last week um I've been uh, I haven't been reading it cover to cover. It's actually a it's actually a field guide, as he calls it. So field guide you don't have to read cover to cover, um, but it's 
it was actually really, really good. And I don't want to sound I'm surprised, but <laughs> I've read some firefighter books and I'm like, because <laughs> some of them are not good. <laughs> um, especially, I always find the career ones are almost too like, I mean, look at us. Like, I don't know. There's a, the, yeah, it's <laughs> Todd's doing the superhero. Just the superhero digging in on, digging <laughs> in on the career, guys. But it's like, you know, there's a lot of this, it's just too much sometimes. Uh, whereas uh, this one with Hirsch, it's really good because it's, it's, he's a volunteer firefighter. So it's all about the volunteerism and the fact that him and his wife started. And actually, I was going to read, I'll read it right now. It's actually pretty sweet. Their first call, um, Here's a quote from the book. I'm not Jocko, so I'll probably screw it up. But um, this, this is his wife. So they've just done their training, and they're now um, they've just kind of finished their six months of, of training, and this is their first official night of having pagers. So the pager goes off. They don't even know what it is. It says, "Holy shit! What was that?" Lori yelled. We looked at each other, and then noticed that both of our fire department pagers, which we would carry with us for the next. Uh, 24-7 for the next several decades, and which would largely run our lives, were vibrating on the kitchen table. An unintelligible voice came over the radio. Hondo, um, Hondo is what, uh, where they're from. Hondo, crackle, crackle, car fire, crackle, crackle. And this is his wife. Wait, Laurie exclaimed. They're going to page us out at night? <laughs> yeah, and then we... We momentarily put aside Lori's critical insight as we tried to remember what we were supposed to do. Completely adrenalized, a car fire. I asked, what should I wear? Who's going to drive? Where are the dogs? So I, th- I think it was pretty cool because I think we can all think back. Um, Todd, maybe not so much because Todd, you know, you kind of grew up in the fire service with your dad being a firefighter. So you are used to the pager. But, you know, I could think back when I first got my pager and first then it went off. I didn't have my clothes set up. I didn't have my keys where I needed them. Um, I didn't know, you know, I was kind of like, what do I do? Like, same idea. And it's kind of cool because everything in this book, um, as I'm reading it, it's like, I can just envision everything happening to us in our department. And it's kind of, you know, they're down in, um, um, where is it, San Antonio? No. Yep. New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Mexico. Like near, yeah, somewhere in New Mexico. Um, so they were... Um, it's it's just it's really cool seeing volunteer departments no matter where they are and just you know from talking to nick out in maine um everything's so similar um but but we're so far apart you know i i still literally remember i can't remember if i was 18 or i might have been you know i still even though watching you know my dad go to the calls and this and that and then when i when i first got the page i still remember not wanting to miss the truck so literally running down the hallway in my just my boxers jumping in the car flying down to the hall and just my boxers no socks <laughs> and running in and jumping in my turnout gear and i remember it was it was july or august uh, late at night and i remember standing there for this mva and we we're doing traffic afterwards and we we're hanging around waiting and it was so hot so muggy so guys were taking off their jackets but i couldn't take my jacket off because i had no shirt on so I had to leave my jacket on. <laughs> so I know what he means. I've heard <laughs> rushing out the door with no socks on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only boxers. That's yeah. next level. Yeah. I remember, I remember somebody. I remember somebody on this call left their truck running for an entire uh, like thirteen-hour fire call. <laughs> <laughs> Might have been the same guy in the boxers. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, it was, it's a really it good book, actually. Um, so hopefully we can get him on uh, next couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it too. There was a, there's, um, I'm sure, we'll, like you said, we'll we'll touch on it a little bit more with Hirsch. I got some more kind of questions, more kind of pertaining to to him than the book, really, for next time round. But uh, we can talk about it a bit more with him. But <clears throat> I think for especially for somebody who even is thinking about getting into the service, it would be a good read. There's a lot of good content in there for people to really help them understand what they're getting into before they get into it. So if somebody was thinking about it, it may even be something that I would recommend them looking into and reading through um, to get a better perspective of the kind of things they're going to see, the kind of way um, that these things go down. And, and you, you're right, Scott, it's very it's very true to fact. Hirsch has a, a definite way of um, delivering the messages. And uh, there's some really good stuff in there, especially for dealing with um, dealing with all sorts of things, the the emotional side as well as the the mental side, and and a whole bunch of, of other bits and pieces. So yeah, it's it's a good book, good book, definitely recommend. It. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff, uh, you know, even stuff we talk about on here, uh, you know, about, about tactical breathing. Um, I think you called it box breathing. Yeah, which, or, yeah, yeah. Um, and about detachment, and yeah, pretty much uh, stuff we talk about a lot. Stuff uh, you know, Jocko talks about stuff. Let a lot of people talk about, but it's 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 interesting to see in in this uh, this book as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I give it to Ash or uh, Todd, but they don't they don't read. I don't. They know. <laughs> <laughs> Audio book, please. <laughs> Scott's going to go full Jocko. He's going to start doing uh, audio, audio mic readings. I need more of a, I need more of a voice. <laughs> more intensity. Uh, yeah. Any more for any more? I think uh, I think we're pretty we're pretty solid here. Yeah, okay. Okay. Sure. Then uh, let's roll into the shout out. So Scott, we'll start with you and Motus, seeing as you've just uh, placed the big order with them. Hey, you guys better pay me for it. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the total. Oh, you try. Yeah, yeah, Joanne. Uh, yeah, she's got it. She's got it laid out. So, um, yeah, Modus uh, Snagger Tool is kind of the what would you say? It's like the it's like their bread and butter. Um, you see them actually. You know, you watch fire videos and stuff. You see Snagger Tools all over the place now. So it's pretty cool because you know it's a Canadian company. Um, like I said, I used my snagger tool last week to uh, take out a window for ventilation. Uh, it was a nice little window, a small little window breaker on one side, and I actually managed to rake a lot of the window out using the snagger tool. Um, it can couple and couple and couple hoses. It can uh, drag and pick up hoses. Um, you can hang your coat on it, which I haven't tested yet. I should have tested it last week. Um, yeah, it's just it's a really cool uh, piece of gear. And they have a bunch of other stuff. Uh, one of the things we are all currently buying is pocket order organizers for uh, for our, our Modus gear. So that's what Carl was saying. I think I bought four or five of them. So there's a bunch coming, um, which is pretty sweet because I yeah I look in my I dig in my pocket. And I'm like, okay, what's it? Okay, no, that's not what I want. No, that's not what I want. That's not what I, okay. There it is. <laughs> so having a little pocket organizer thing, you know, for the for the snaggers to fit in some door wedges, uh, maybe. Uh, uh, wire cutter or two, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Yeah. So Modus um, DTFF five is our discount code, which I just used, and it works great. And I think they're still doing Black Friday sales for a couple more days. Oh really? Yeah. 
into the Cyber Monday sales. Yeah. yeah. I, know I was looking at their website today as well, and I'm seeing if there's anything else I wanted to add to that order. Um, and notice there, it says their hydro wrenches are all sold out. Yeah, the hydro wrenches are sold out. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. It's kind of cool, are... too. They have, uh, they have dented and dinged, or what is it called? That you can buy scratch and dent. Scratch and dent. Scratch and dent. You, can, you can buy mm. scratch and dent tools that are, you know, they're, they're, they're still work great, but they're little imperfections. Um, and like our point is, well, yeah, you're going to scratch and dent the first time you use it anyways. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's really good. Modus. Modus. Uh, then we'll go over to Ash for Ignition. Yeah, Ignition USA. Um, the CRAP, the Seattle Rapid Access Tool. Um, we were actually just today, Scott and I, down at the training grounds, talking about adding on to uh, <laughs> one of our our buildings down there, and we, you know, we're always talking talking about forcible entry, and for the first time, we're looking at building the prop for soft entry. So um, that's kind of the idea there is uh, uh, soft soft entry tool. You can leave uh, the premises uh, able to be secured when you depart. Uh, there's a multitude of things that this thing can do. Uh, check out our uh, Facebook videos. They've got their YouTube, their Facebook, all of that content there. Um, really, really cool tool. Um, if you like what you see there, uh, GTFF 2020 uh, for 20% off. Yeah. Uh, Todd, stop the bleed. Stopthebleed.org. Uh, go online, check them out. Um, and you can go on our website. It'll give you a bit more of the video content of the course. Um, very important to learn about uh, massive hemorrhaging techniques on how to stop the bleed. So uh, wound packing, direct pressure, and tourniquet application. Uh, there's definitely lots of tricks and tips as far as if you are an instructor and want to make a course nice and fun with some high fidelity sims, uh, some of the blood demos that we talk about that Scott uses a lot with uh, some soap and stuff, it, it works fantastic. And I find it really, it ties in that visual knowledge of, you know, well, how much blood loss, you know, what does it actually look like? Because that's the biggest misnomer is when people see somebody bleeding, they think, holy cow, he's lost so much blood and it's very little or vice versa. So uh, having that visual demo that Scott shows on our YouTube, uh, it's, it's quite handy. So go online. Uh, I'm not sure if there's going to be many courses going around with the whole uh, life issues these days with COVID, but uh, check it out, see if there is a course in your area. And if not, uh, check out our content. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Scott Tanner. Tanner Olson Band out of Chilliwack slash Vancouver area. Um, I think they just came out with a new Christmas song. I haven't heard it yet, but it's, it's like Neon Christmas or something. I saw it the other day. Um, so check that out. <laughs> Spotify and probably no live shows coming up anytime soon, but hopefully in the summer once this vaccine is supposedly rolling out, he'll be able to do some more live shows. Yeah. There you go. Hey, uh, uh, yeah, are, are we going to mention these uh, awesome socks we keep getting? Are we? It's a good question. Are oh. we soon? I think. Yeah. yeah, I can kind of touch base <laughs> on that a little bit. I was talking to him. So, yeah, we we have a, um, a rep, I'll say, uh, that reached out to us to uh, demo some of their products. Um, they're not quite ready to roll out 
uh, in our area quite yet. Um, but uh, uh, we're doing some field testing on it right now. Um, they do socks, t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, basically a lot of base layer stuff. Um, and uh, kind of branching out into the fire, firefighter market. Um, they're in a couple of other markets already. Um, so this is something a little different and we're kind of doing some beta test on it for them. So I uh, don't really have the uh, ability to share the brand and such quite yet, but uh, yeah, yeah, pretty, pretty sweet stuff. So yeah, I do it, gotta say it's, uh, it's um, partially a fair amount of bamboo, I believe. Mm-hmm. In it. Um, so not a lot of synthetic, so I think it's going to be good. Uh, we're going to take it into the burn building. We're probably going to do some uh, um, fire test on it just to see if it makes sure it doesn't melt because mm-hmm. um, we know that's one of the problems. But basically the one, the long sleeve base layer that you gave me, Ash, to test, um, it's my uh, it's my end of the bed one for uh, nighttime fire calls now. Oh, nice. Because um, okay. I, I had it on a couple nights ago and uh, yeah, it's, it's really comfortable under the turnout gear. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't stink at the end than like what I normally do, but <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome year so far. Perfect. We will have more info on the socks later. <laughs> yeah. And we'll have to get him on. There you go. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I think once everything's rolling there, that's uh that'll be key. Yeah. yeah yep. And uh and then you have us and uh Obviously, if you've been listening for this long, again, um, you know that we talk about the things that we do and uh, the things that we practice and we don't preach. We just talk about everything that works for us, Um, new tactics that we've put together, um, different ways that we do things. Uh, We we discuss the things that we have trained and the things that consistently, uh, consistently work, at least in our area. Now, on the other side of that, there are some things that, uh, you know, we, we say and do that everybody may do differently. And like we mentioned earlier, if that is the case, please let us know, because we'd love to try these different methods as well. But if you would like to follow us in a little bit more detail, you can head over to our YouTube page and you can subscribe there. We've got a bunch of video content there for you to review, including training tips and videos, uh, including things like the using the tick as a gun sight in smoky uh, environments. You heard me talk about that a little bit earlier today. It's one of those kind of small, small uh, tactics that can have a really big impact, especially when doing things like hydraulic ventilation, um, for example. It's a really good good way of using it for, for things like that. Um, also, uh, there is the Cleveland roll wraps. If you're looking to kind of test and try out some of those, those kind of styles, how to deploy them easily and safely. Um, yeah, lots, lots of different tactics, including one of our biggest, biggest, uh, viewed videos is the, uh, the stop the bleed content. There is some really good scenarios built into that. So if you are looking at taking those courses, or if you are an instructor and looking for a little bit more of a, uh, a, a good quality twist to really help ingrain this content into people. There's some good live action sims there for you to be able to kind of follow along with and, and create and, and build out to, uh, to help people with that too. If you would, and if you could, we would greatly appreciate if you could give us a like, thumbs up or a rating as well as any comment um, over on the app that you listen to us on, um, be it Spotify or Anchor or Apple Podcasts. It definitely helps us. 
Uh, it helps us dramatically, in fact. So if you could take a moment to do that for us, it would be greatly appreciated. It helps us get out to further people like us and like you that want to listen and learn something a little bit different. Uh, or maybe, you know, they, they just want to maybe... Uh, listening to firefighter stuff we've got a few listeners that just listen in that aren't firefighters that just enjoy listening to firefighter content so um yeah please please if you could it would be greatly appreciated and yeah any more for any more gents yes sir nope. ash thanks guys scott great todd have a good night thank you thanks everyone stay safe stay btff